listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about, ooh, ghost writers. <laughs> Just kidding. It's the other kind. The other kind of ghost writers. <laughs> Not a ghost. <laughs> we're goofy. <laughs> what if a ghostwriter died and became a ghost ghostwriter? Wow. Pitch that as the next TV show. That's a good idea. I, <laughs> Hollywood, call me. <laughs> call me. <laughs> but first, what are you reading, Bria? So, okay. This is the time of year where I realize I'm like, oh, I got to read a bunch of new books because we're going to have to figure out what our best books of the year are. I'm doing the same thing. It's the it's the like the last two months of, of the year uh, rush to read a bunch of new releases. A bunch of new releases. But here's the thing. I did not read a new release this week. I decided <laughs> there's this book that's been on my list for a while and I kind of opened it. It came in at the library or I got it from the library and I opened it and I was like, well... I'll just see, and if I love it, I'll keep reading, and if I don't love it, then I'll just not read it, and I'll just I'll just quit reading it and go read something new. And honestly, I loved it so much that I could not put this book down. It's called The Book of M by uh, Peng Shepard. Oh, I've heard this book is so good. It is fantastic. It was a debut novel. Um, it came out maybe 2018 or something like that. Um, and um, it is an apocalyptic book. Um, so like I'm those so of you avoiding that, I don't know. I'm ready for apocalyptic books again. I think that was what happened. I was started reading it and I was like, oh, I, can, I think I can handle this. And this was, I read this pre-election. So like. I was just going to say, this is our first episode we've recorded after we found out the results of the election and now we can all breathe again. I'm also hungover, so I apologize in advance for that. <laughs> um, good, good reason to be hungover. It's like that, or if you won an Oscar, or like, <laughs> or if you're 22, whatever, I guess you could be hungover. <laughs> Uh, the three, the three reasons. The three reasons. Twenty, twenty, being turning, tw- being young. <laughs> anyway, uh, the book of M. The book of M uh, has all of my fears wrapped into one, but in a way that I really enjoyed exploring. <laughs> it is about um, a world in which uh, basically um, this man. Um, his shadow disappears and everyone's like, that's so cool. It's so rad. That's so cool. And like people propose to him. He's living in India. Um, And uh, he is Indian. He lives in India. And um, then within like two or three days, he starts to forget things and he forgets more and more things. And basically it's like a very quick Alzheimer's to the point where like his body quits, forgets to work. Um, And then, Elsewhere around the world, people's shadows start disappearing and you realize that this is going to be an epidemic. So it's, it is a apocalyptic pandemic-ish movie with a lot of fantasy elements involved. Obviously, the shadow part is, is fantasy, but um, other fantasy things start happening along the way where, uh, or, yeah, where, where, where certain things start happening that can't possibly happen in the real world. Um, it is so good. It actually, at its core, is sort of um, a love story. It's about, it, the like, it's several different stories that you're following. Uh, but the main one is this husband and wife, and they're, they get separated at the beginning, and uh, they're looking, she's lost her shadow, and he hasn't, and he's looking for her. And um, it's just this really good great apocalyptic kind of like it's big lots of things happen i love apocalyptic stories this may be my wheelhouse apocalyptic stories that follow multiple people i like that. i mean I, I can think of several books off the top of my head that you love that follow that so yeah, yeah. i think that's a bria wheelhouse uh, item for sure yeah i'm into that anyway uh what are you reading mallory uh i am reading a 2020 
uh, release. I think this is exactly what happens every year. It's October. I give myself license to read nothing but horror books. And mm-hmm. then come November 1st, I'm like, oh, shit, we have to do our best of the year episode. I have to read a ton of new releases to catch up on. Uh, but I love it. It's nice. Uh, it actually it's I, I like it because it almost... Uh, you know, it helps guide my reading for the end of the year. I don't, cause I have a stack of all these like 2020 releases that I want to read, including my library books, including this book that I'm reading right now, uh, which is Piranesi. I think that's how you pronounce it uh, by Susanna so. Clark, who is the uh, author of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, uh, which is funny because I've never read that. I haven't either, I've, but but this book is getting such, it's a real buzzy book of the year. I feel like it's going to be on top, some of our listeners top lists. Um, I, I decided to get this from the library after hearing our, our friends, Adam and Jill talking about it over, over on the professional book nerds. And, um, and it's, it's funny because again, I've never read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. I've bought it three times and I've given it away three times because it's just a honker. It's a massive fucking book. And so I was really surprised when I got Piranesi from the library and it's very small. It's a very short book. Oh, I didn't know that. For some reason, I did think it was big. I thought I saw a picture of it online and saw it was real big and got scared. And I did just get, I literally got this from the library, uh, on my e-reader last night. It is, well, it's. It's a short book and it's so different in from from Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, um, which I just was not expecting. It's very weird. It's kind of like it's very surreal and almost sci-fi. It's about you, the, this book starts uh, with this man and you don't really know his name and he's living in what he calls the house. And it's this massive house that's, you know, contains uncountable rooms and all of the rooms uh, just contain statues like nobody else lives there yeah, cool. uh, and there but like the lower levels of the house is where the ocean is and like there's birds that live there and so as you were reading about this character and he you're trying to figure out like what this house is uh, how he got there uh, and he's like so wholesome and earnest through the whole thing so he's such an incredible main character but as things unfold you're starting to realize that he, maybe he's not in the house the reason why he's in the house is not the reason uh, he thinks it is. Mm. And uh, so this mystery kind of like, you know, slowly unfolds and uh, maybe some things are more sin- sinister than they think than he thinks they are. And it's just it's so wonderful. Uh, I really I actually think this might be one of my top books of the year. Uh, I, I love it so much. So that's uh, Piranesi uh, by Susanna Clark. And mine is The Book of Him by uh, Peng Shepard. Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We got a lot of amazing feedback from the bookmarks episode, which it's, I feel like it's always like the most silly, ridiculous episodes that we think are, are you know, just not going to hit with people are the most popular ones yes. that we get the most feedback. It's true. The bird, um, the bird books is really like our top, our top feedback episode. It's true. Uh, but bookmarks is catching up. And uh, one of our listeners, Gina, posted in our, our Slack channel to say that she uses voting ballot stubs as a bookmark. I love that. That's cool. Which is so cool. Uh, she says that they make great bookmarks. And of course, they show that you've done your civil, civic duty, uh, which is awesome. So a great thing to, to, to note for uh, the next uh, local election that uh, that you might have because yeah. hopefully after everyone uh, voted uh, voted in this presidential election, you'll want to keep doing it and uh, and vote in your local elections because they're important. Uh, 
Uh, but Kyle also wrote it which the, with this feedback that made me laugh really hard. Uh, so Kyle says, my local bookstore, One More Page Books, just put out their 2020 holiday gift guide and they've added a cool new service called Book Concierge. Have a friend that you just can't shop for or that complains that they never know what to read. For $100, they get a consult with a bookseller mm. to help them pick out some hot new reads and then they get three of those books, including hardcovers, shipped to them. What? That is fucking cool as hell. Uh, does your friend like to sip and read? Try the wine concierge too. And yes, they included the lady from the Black Lagoon in their guide under the heading for family eccentric <laughs> Oh my God. That is- I love it. Very and Kyle, Kyle sent, we're going to include this in the show notes because Kyle sent in their holiday gift guide. Uh, I think this is a great fucking gift for, for the holidays. So cool. And the fact that they're suggesting you get Lady from the Black Lagoon for your weird aunts is just really made my day. It's pretty spot on, actually. <laughs> it um, really is, though. <laughs> Uh, Evan wrote in with a wheelhouse that says, um, I really appreciate the concept of the reading wheelhouse. And since I've spent an unconscionable amount of time thinking about mine, I wanted to share it. My wheelhouse is magic libraries. Love it. Multi-generational spaceships. Uh, ladies with swords. Detailed fantasy religions. And cats as important characters. I love it. But I want to know, what is a multi-generational spaceship? Oh, that's a really good question. Like, does the spaceship have like a grandparent around? Or <laughs> I think it means I think I think it means that there are multiple. Oh, I don't know. I guess I thought it meant uh, there are multiple generations living on the spaceship, but it could be that That's the spaceship what I'm has survived multiple generations, and so now there's many people living on the spaceship. I mean, that yeah. that like you, the, your grandparents lived on the spaceship, but they died, and now you're in charge of the spaceship. Yeah, you know, like the spaceship is old and grizzled, and like smokes cigarettes, and is you know, like I, I've seen some things. A multi generational spaceship. spaceship. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so quick bookmark, we want to remind folks that on November 24th uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific time, we are doing our first page to screen book club with our friends over at the King Cast. So we are reading uh, Stephen King's Skeleton Crew, specifically the short story in it, The Raft, and watching Creepshow 2. Uh, and so if you are a Maximum Fun member that supports Reading Glasses, uh, you can participate in the live event. Uh, but the episode that we're going to record of it is available for everyone. So after we do it, after we do the live event, we're going to release the episode. So if you want to um, read the story, watch the movie, uh, and, and listen to that uh that is available for all. And if you are not a Maximum Fun subscriber, don't worry. Next month, we're going to be doing another page of screen book club that is available for everybody. But this first one is just for our Maximum Fun supporters. I'll put a link in the show notes um, and, and information on how you can get your uh, link to join the live event. And um, also, you can hear Mallory and I on uh, Jordan Jesse Go last week. Uh, if you want to tune into that, we both were the guests last week and it was super fun and uh, silly. And if you like that show, I think it was a fun crossover. Oh my God, it was, it was so fun. It made me laugh so hard. It was a blast. Uh, and so you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And I just want to say, because we've gotten a couple queries about this. Right now, folks, there is no way to look at our back catalog of newsletters, unfortunately, because it's just like a free newsletter we do. Oh, okay. uh, we don't uh, we don't have a, a option since we don't, it's just a free one. We don't have the, the, the ability to give folks access to the back issues, I yeah. guess you'd call them. We might. Um, there might be a way. I, mean, I didn't know that was a request. I can look into that. I can look into it. Um, 
Yes, but so but right, as of, as it stands right now, that's not available. But if you want to get this free newsletter every month, where we uh, Bria rounds up all the books we've talked about on the show for the past month, and we we throw in an extra recommendation, so you get even more book stuff for me and Bria. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, so before we talk about ghostwriters, we're going to take a quick break. Reading glasses is sponsored in part this week by a sponsor that we love, the Kitty Poo Club. Yeah, this is a great sponsor for me and Mallory because we both have cats. Mallory has two, and I also have two now. I adopted a new one, a very old, old lady named Lucy. (laughs) And she needs a nice litter box. So, of course, we're here in Los Angeles. We're still in quarantine. Most folks all all across the country are also working from home. So that means, you know, while it's great that you are spending more time with your cat at home, you're also spending more time with the litter box. That is very true. And the one thing I really hate is cleaning that litter box. They're so disgusting and gross, and I don't understand how such a majestic creature can make such a gross mess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Kitty Poo Club s- solves that problem for you. Every month they deliver an affordable, high quality, and important recyclable litter box that's pre-filled with a litter of your choice. The boxes are le- leak-proof, they're eco-friendly, and the cutest part, they have a fun design for every season. It's adorable. I don't know if Sailor and Lula care about it, but I certainly do. When we got our autumn box with the autumn-themed litter boxes I was so excited. It was so adorable. I mean, I asked Sailor and Lula. They didn't say anything, but they did use the box and they seemed to really like it. They approved. I I will say um, when I got this box, I was like, oh, how do I put this together? It must have more pieces. But the thing is, there's very few pieces involved. So there's very few cardboard things you have to deal with. And there was a very nice uh, video online that I watched to tell me how to put together the box, which was super duper helpful. And when the month is up, you just take that box and you recycle it. And then the Kitty Poop Club will automatically deliver a new one to you. This is so amazing. You don't have to change the used litter. You don't have to go outside and spray hose that box down like every month that you <laughs> have to do. It's winter. You don't want to do that right now anyway. It sucks. And and yeah. they've kind of, they've solved this problem for us. It's great. And I will say, so we got the um, the soy litter, and you know, we Jeremy and I live in a one bedroom apartment with two cats. You know, if something is smelly, it's going to smell up the whole place. And the Kitty Poo Club has it just had such great odor control. Like we really, you couldn't tell. Like we kept it in the living room, and you couldn't tell that it was there. It was awesome. I was really, really impressed with it, especially with two cats using the same box. Uh, you know, and Sailor is a big cat who mm-hmm. makes big messes and you still totally couldn't smell them. So this is a, a, a litter box subscription club solves so many of your problems with litter boxes. If you were a cat owner and you're frustrated with litter, like so many of us are right now, kitty poo club is offering you 20% off your first order. When you set up auto ship by going to kitty and entering promo code glasses. So that's 20% off when you set up your first auto ship, uh, when you enter promo code glasses, it's so easy and you don't even have to remember it. It's what we've all had that moment where we're like, oh my God, I forgot to get litter. I have to run to the store and get litter right now. You never have to think about that again. They're automatically going to deliver to you every single month. Yeah. No lugging that litter back and forth from the store, which is like the worst part. I hate carrying the litter. Yeah, it is really, really heavy. It's sort of ridiculous. So that's kittypooclub.com. And don't forget to enter promo code glasses at checkout for 20% off. Glasses. Glasses. 
Listen, I'm a hotshot Hollywood movie producer. You have until I finish my glass of kombucha to pitch me your idea. Go. All right. It's called Who Shot Ya, a movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white dudes. I'm Ify Whitey the new host of the show and a certified BBN. BBN? Buff black nerd. I'm Alonzo Duraldi, an elderly gay and legit film critic who wrote a book on Christmas movies. I'm Drea Clark, a loud white lady from Minnesota. Each week, we talk about a new movie in theaters and all the important issues going on in the film industry. It's like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner meets Cruising. And if it helps seal the deal, I can flex my muscles while we record each episode. I'm sorry, this is a podcast? I'm a movie producer. How did you get in here? Iffy, quick, start flexing. Bicep, lats, chest. Who shot you? Dropping every Friday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. week we're talking about ghost riders and no not the spooky kind we normally would be talking about uh what is a ghost writer and have you read a book written by one and not known about it and how does ghost writing work bria what is a ghost writer well it's it's not it's not a writer that is dead and writing from beyond the grave but we wish Sadly. it was um <laughs> it's a person uh most people know this term but it's a person who's hired to write a book for someone else uh they get money but they often don't get the credits or they don't get the credit that's the whole point uh they don't have their name on the cover um they, they might write part of the book they might write the whole thing um they're not a co-author they will not be credited as a co-author um i think people are familiar with this idea mostly in the case of celebrity memoirs that would be what I would think. Um, yeah. That's that's where we hear about it the most. And and so before you feel bad for ghostwriters, please remember these authors, these writers are doing it willingly. A lot of writers happily make their living from ghostwriting. Uh, depending on the person they're ghostwriting for, they can make a lot of money from it. I, I know authors that... Um, like write write their own stuff on on one side, but on like make their pay their bills by ghostwriting. So it's a good way for a lot of authors to be able to eat. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, like it's kind of cool because you get to do what you like doing, which is rad. But also, it is it they often are writers of other things, which I think is yes. that they like get to do their fun art stuff. But it's almost like maybe it's their day job. I don't know. I I, I don't know any ghostwriters, but that's what I would think. Um, so who would hire a ghostwriter? Well, um, it's basically someone who doesn't want to, doesn't have the time, or maybe doesn't have the ability to write their own book for whatever reason. Um, it's a lot of celebrities, politicians, famous musicians who have autobiographies or memoirs. They're, they're written by ghostwriters a lot. Uh, not, not the, not most, but, but there have been many. Uh, for example, two of JFK's autobiographies are written, uh, by ghostwriters. Um, a bunch of rappers and singers have had their books written by ghostwriters. Um, just so y'all know, uh, The Art of the Deal was written by a ghostwriter. Um, yep. That, uh, so if you're reading the autobiography of a famous person, there is a hot chance it's written by a ghostwriter. I feel like this has fallen out of fashion recently. If you ask me, like a lot of celebs, I feel like maybe uh, they have written, they have a ghostwriter helping them, but they do not, but they do take part in writing it themselves. That's just what I feel like I see, but who knows? No, I think you're totally right. I've actually seen a lot more uh, celebrity memoir, memoirs and autobiographies. It'll be like, uh, insert title here, written by famous person and in like in smaller letters and this person. Yeah, they get like a little bit of a co-writer credit. 
Yeah, they'll get credit. So it's a little, the process is a little more transparent, which I actually, I think that transparency makes people feel better about that. But we we, we can talk about feelings about ghostwriters yeah. later yeah. in the episode. And what about fiction? Uh, what about fiction books, Mallory? Yeah, there's actually a lot of fiction books written by ghostwriters. Uh, many beloved classic series uh, like the Nancy Drew books, uh, the Hardy Boys books uh, were written by ghostwriters who were just sort of like given a basic plot and outline and had to kind of change their writing style to fit the book. Uh, author, when V.C. Andrews died, uh, she hired a ghostwriter to keep her seri- series going um, in I'm her sorry, style. I'm sorry, the way you said that was V.C. Andrews died and then she hired a ghostwriter. <laughs> so it was <laughs> a true ghostwriter. <laughs> the the ghost of V.C. Andrews like came, came out of the floor into this poor ghostwriter. I was like, I'm hiring you. Here's this contract. That's actually Please just a ghost. My- that's a ghost author. And then they <laughs> hired an actual living writer. <laughs> no, she, before she died, she like set it up so a ghostwriter would be available, but would be like ready to take over her series. Nice. Can you imagine like being like you're a writer and you're like sleeping in your bed and all of a sudden like you're woo. It's V.C. Like, Andrews. V.C. Andrews at the foot of your bed like I have a contract for you. <laughs> I, you know what? I'd be like this is probably one of the most amazing things that will ever happen to me as far as my writing career goes. <laughs> Amazing. And actually, uh, big uh, dad book alert. Uh, some of Tom Clancy's books were written by ghostwriters. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, other series for kids like the Babysitter's Club, Goosebump books were written by ghostwriters. I, I've seen, uh, I was actually reading an essay uh, about how a lot of um, kids series like that were are written by ghostwriters because kids read them so fast that like, Authors can't keep up, uh, that, so they have that to like totally makes sense to me. Actually, farm it out to other authors. Yeah, you know, I mean, the way like I relate to this is a writing on a TV show. You do change your writing style to fit the language and the precedent set by whatever has been written by the show before. Because I joined the writers' room for that show, Eastsiders, not until season four, and the first three seasons has had all been written by the same person, Kit Williamson, and he has a very specific writing style and. He literally was like, okay, here's how I write the episodes. Like, I don't include this kind of stuff. And I'm a very wordy writer, and I had to be very careful about how I wrote it. So I kind of do understand the, like, changing your style. I enjoyed it. It was kind of like a fun challenge to see if I could not write exactly like me, but put a little bit of me into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, actually, I, and uh, I when I did that writing for that game Arkham Horror, um, this happens in a lot of licensed work mm-hmm. where you have to change your your writing style to like, and there's a whole like you know setup for it. Um, you know, they you like you have to submit your um, basic outline, and a lot of things are like you you don't have as much creative control because you have to like make sure that you, all your writing and everything you're doing is under this particular style mm-hmm. that fits like whatever was already there before. Um, so. Should folks, should you feel betrayed knowing that your beloved Nancy Drew books were ghostwritten? Uh, I don't think, I've, not if you enjoyed the book. Uh, and I think especially since most kids, this is like specific to like kids fiction, but I think most kids are paying attention to the name of the series and not to author names uh, yeah, anyway. Totally, totally agree. Totally You know agree. what I mean? Yeah. How do you, Priya, how do you feel about ghostwritten nonfiction books? Uh, nonfiction? I mean, I, I honestly, like if I look down deep into my soul, <laughs> I, I would say I do feel weird about it. Like, am I reading to just get the facts? And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm reading to just get the facts. But if I'm reading thinking that I'm hearing this author or celebrity's voice, then I I want to hear that person's voice. You know what I mean? I, I like, I, 
I, I wouldn't even mind if the celebrity wrote it and it didn't feel like a real book because it felt like they're like a real quote unquote book. It didn't feel like that celeb's voice because it did feel like their voice. Like I would rather yeah. it feel like their voice than feel like, you know, some sort of uh, literary fiction, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And and it's weird because I'm specifically saying this for mostly celebrities, and I don't know why I hold them to a higher standard of being, like, realistic or being, like, authentic <laughs> than, like, something else. Because I feel like if you were like, oh, this is a person who survived some tragic accident, right, uh, Then and they had a ghostwriter do it, I'd be like, well, they're probably not a writer, so that's probably fair that they survived this th- this thing that, you know, whatever. And in their real life, they're a bank teller or whatever. So, like, they don't want to write a book. But then they get But offered- you're not familiar with their voice. That's what I think Here's is— Here's the thing. I'm actually probably not familiar with most celebrity voices, like, unless they are, like, an advocate <laughs> or, like, come out and talk on Twitter or something like that. But, like, certain celebrities that don't have any sort of presence outside of their movies, like, I don't really know what their voices are. I only know what their characters are or maybe what they're—like, if they're directors or something, I have an idea— I don't know. I have no idea. I'm definitely uh, have double standards here. I have double standards, which is not cool. Like, like, okay, like if someone survived the Titanic. Listen up, celebrities. <laughs> if someone survived the Titanic and they were like, I'm going to get a ghostwriter, I'd be like, you should. You survived the Titanic. Get a ghostwriter. <laughs> but there is something about it that I'm like, if you're a celebrity and you co-wrote it with someone, just give them that co-writing credit because, I don't know, that'll help their career out. <laughs> I have no idea. I guess I feel all over the place about this. I feel... I would not if I found about a if I found out a book was written by a ghostwriter, I would not later on be like, wow, that book doesn't count as a book. Like that that yeah. wouldn't cross my mind. It's more of the like <laughs> that oh, book is canceled. I wish I would have heard it from this other person, but I still believe everything that's in it. I don't think it makes it less truthful, you know, like as far as a memoir or autobiography goes. How do you feel? You know, it's funny. I I do. I I also feel a little bit hypocritical because I I I feel both ways about it. I've definitely, and I you know, I'm never going to reveal the names of things on this show, but I've definitely read books um, that I thought were written by somebody, like read like a celebrity memoir that I thought was written by them, and found out it was ghostwritten, and kind of been like, hey, what the hell. Uh, but what's funny is the more I thought about it, there is actually a book that I read a couple years ago um, that uh, was a celebrity memoir that was written by the celebrity and they weren't a good writer. Oh. And the whole, like by the time I finished it, I was like, wow, I kind of wish they had gotten a ghostwriter hmm. because it just, they like weren't a good writer, even though their their story is very interesting. Again, I will never reveal the name of this person. Um, but it, uh, I like, I was left f- feeling like, wow, I wish I had like, they had somebody guiding them to help them like make it, pull it together into a better narrative. And like, mm-hmm. make, it just like, I was like, man, this kind of just, it read sort of like a live journal entry. Like it w- didn't, it didn't, it wasn't as satisfying from like a literary perspective. So I guess I, it just depends on the book. Um, but yeah, I do, maybe, I think. I could be wrong here. I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe I don't want to hear their authentic voice if they, <laughs> if they don't know what they're writing. You know, maybe you, I would think an editor would solve that problem, but maybe not. Yeah, you never know. Uh, also, I do think maybe, you know, if a, if a, if a person is famous enough, you know, how, like you're not going to be able to edit them. Like who are right. – someone is so huge. Like who, what editor is going to tell them like, hey, you can't do this? So I think I actually kind of like giving the ghostwriter credit uh, and I wouldn't be dissuaded from it. Like if I saw um, a really, really famous person who was like um, – 
the story of blah, of me, blah, blah, blah. But it was also with help by so-and-so, whatever author, I wouldn't be dissuaded from picking that up. No, that's I'd what like, I'm saying. Oh. I wouldn't either, but I don't think that's a ghostwriter. A ghostwriter wouldn't have their name no. on it. No, that's what I, I mean. I think I would rather um, it all just be out in the open. But I yeah. actually, I do personally, I know uh, there's an author that I know that does pay um, his, her, there. I will not reveal the, name, the gender of this person, uh, um, that's how they pay bills mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and they are a fantasy writer in, in, in their other life and they're quite fine with it. Uh, and they write um, uh, ghost write for a lot of politicians. Ah. Like that's why I think a lot of people are like, Oh wow, this politician, like th- this th- big thing happened and they wrote a book like seemingly within a few weeks. Uh, I think a lot of those books are probably helped along by other writers. Yeah. I, Hillary you know Clinton, I, mean? uh, I think two of her books are written or yeah. somebody, something like that were also ghostwritten. We didn't bring up. Um, that makes sense. I'd rather, I guess I'd rather they be running the country or whatever their actual job well, is. Well, that's the other thing. It's a lot of politicians are fucking busy. You know, it, I, we both know personally, it takes a long time <laughs> to write a book. Uh, and if like, there's some sort of, like, there's so many books that have come out this year that have been about politics and stuff happening in the country and Trump and like uh, different events that have happened. And then you're like, wow, this book came out like somehow within weeks after uh, this event happened. It's probably because uh, ghostwriters were helping it along. A ghostwriter worked around the clock. <laughs> <laughs> in their graveyard, mm-hmm. in their graveyard office. You can send your thoughts about ghostwriters to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. Mallory, do you remember advent calendars? Yes, they were like the ones that I remember, like the the cardboard ones with like the little chocolate inside. But the excitement is every single day you get to open a new thing. Yeah. And remember last year when we had a really cool sponsor that made advent calendars for adults with a literary twist? Yes. That was Hingston and Olson, who are one of the sponsors of the show today. Yeah, so Hickson and Olson are the makers of the short story advent calendar, which is a deluxe, and we really mean deluxe. They, this is such an adorable, high-quality, gorgeous set of 25 booklets for every day leading up to Christmas, and each booklet is a short story. And every story is sealed, so you don't know what's inside until you open it. And when you're done reading, you can go to shortstoryadventcalendar.com for an exclusive interview with the author. How cool is it to read a short story and be like, oh, I like that, and be able to go to shortstoryadventcalendar.com calendar.com and read an interview with the author about it it's like having like your own private little uh, access to this author the, and also they find really great authors for this that are perfect for those who love books those who want to read more authors that they like or if you want to just discover some new authors the 2020 edition includes stories from amber sparks jim shepherd adam sternberg and many more and i think you're going to be surprised by some of the names in there so if you're looking for something to make your holiday season a little more special this year, I know we're all still living in pandemic world and trying to do more fun stuff at home because we can't do as many things outside. This is a great thing to get for yourself. It's a great thing to get for somebody that you love, someone in your life that is a huge reader and a book lover, but you never know what books to get them because you're afraid they're going to already have it. This is the perfect gift. So don't wait to December 1st. You go to shortstoryadventcalendar.com today and you save 10% off your first purchase when you enter the promo code glasses at checkout so go to shortstoryadventcalendar.com today get 10 percent off your purchase when you enter promo code glasses to get this adorable set of 25 short stories for yourself or somebody that you love so that's 10 percent off shortstoryadventcalendar.com with promo code glasses 
Glasses. Glasses. Welcome. Thank you. No problem. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. So it's time to look at some book tech advances in bookish technology. Uh, today, we're going to talk about our favorite snacks to eat while writing for NaNoWriMo, because it's still NaNoWriMo. Uh, we actually ran out of time during our special writing advice episode. So this is spilling over into this episode. And then we're going to review uh, some excellent snacks that folks have sent us and see how good they are as as, as writing snacks. Uh, so first, thank you to all the folks who have been sending these snacks. We so appreciate it. It is awesome. It's so much fun. Uh Listeners like Trina and Katie, thank you, thank you, thank you for all these snacks. Uh, Bria, what do you think the best snack to eat while writing is? While writing? Well, it is NaNoWriMo. So for writing, I'm going to say tea, which is not really a (laughs) snack. I think it has zero calories. Um, I drink a lot of tea while writing in the morning because I write in the morning, basically. Uh, And... Uh, I like to drink tea in the mornings. Um, but the truth is, it's it's basically anything that gets you motivated. So if you're doing NaNoWriMo right now and you're like, I can't get motivated, but you know what? I sure do love cinnamon rolls. Go <laughs> to that Cinnabon Bon. And what is that place called? Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Although what's the place? There's a place that... Is it Cinnabon that has the vegan ones? No, there's a vegan chain here called... Uh, I remember when we they put one in. It's called Cineholic. Cineholic. I yeah. remember when we used to live near each other I, and they put one in near us. We were like, yes. Yeah, oh my God. And you can get little tiny cinnamon rolls there, little mini cinnamon rolls. That's the best. And you could also just get little cups of icing, which is like, probably that is the best writing snack is a little tiny cup of icing. A shot of sugar. I think they do call it uh, icing shots. I think that's what they call it. Um, because the truth is, if you're writing, if you're doing NaNoWriMo right now, Whatever it helps, that's the rule. Whatever helps you. I, that's what I feel like. Sugar always helps me a little bit. I will say I've used some of the snacks sent to us by people um, uh, in the past for writing, definitely. Uh, all the chocolate goes to writing. It go, it, Some of it goes to reading, <laughs> but a lot of it goes to writing because I'm like stuck and I don't want to finish what I'm doing. And then I go and I have like a square of a chocolate and I go, okay, you know what? I can make it through. <laughs> 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 All right, what about you? What do you do? What do you eat while while writing? Uh, so surprising no one. Uh, I think the best writing snack is bourbon. Um, <laughs> These I, snacks are drinks. <laughs> I don't usually eat that much when I write. Um, right now I'm in like frantic Finnish girly drinks mode. So I'm writing all, normally I write at night, but I am writing all day now. Well, so the, I'll, the I'll, hand I'll, messiness is a problem with writing. Yeah, it's true. It's very, very true. It's also, you know, you can't because you, you need with reading you can eat with one hand and read hold your book or e-reader with the other mm-hmm. um but you can't i can't do that with writing i have to use both hands so unless i got some sort of feed bag mm. or you got you remember 
those commercials for it was some burger company. It was like burger. I don't remember which like burger chain it was, but they had like these commercials. It was like it looked like a harmonica holder, but you would put like a burger in it, and it was like a fake like campaign for a burger holder that was like a hands free burger eating device. I don't, but that's very funny. Uh, it was very very funny. That would be the only kind of situation where you could write and eat eat at the same time. Um, but because I've, I've been writing during the morning, I've been, uh, having black coffee in the morning, bourbon at night. I don't write during the afternoon as we've talked about before. Uh, that said, if I am snacking, I, I like something crunchy mm. and filling. I need, you know, your, your brain needs that glucose. Um, yeah, so I, I like, we, I do like apples. That's a crunchy filling. Yeah. I need something. Cause you know, your brain just needs that fuel. And I totally agree with you that when you're writing, if you're like really trying to finish something, just like eat whatever you want, you know, just like give your brain truly whatever it wants. And, uh, that said, one of the snacks that we got sent, uh, became one of my favorite writing snacks oh. because it was so crunchy and so filling. It was the hippies chickpea puffs. Do oh, you yeah. want to tell people what those are? Well, we got to do a review of these y'all. These are great. Well, I was already a big fan of these, but these are basically vegan, gluten-free, Cheeto puffs in diff- different flavors. Yes. Yeah, they're basically vegan versions of cheese puffs. Cheese uh, puffs. But yeah, 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 yeah. Like the like not Cheetos, like the hard kind that kind of look like sticks. More like the kind that look like um puff, like a, puffy clouds. Yeah. Well, like yeah, it's not a it's not a Cheeto. It's a cheese puff. Cheese. Not puff. a cheese ball. Yeah. <laughs> there's a whole shape. spectrum of, of 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 cheesy crunch snacks and this child, is the it cheese looks like puff. a child's finger <laughs> delicious <laughs> what everyone wants to snack on uh but what so you've been eating these while writing yeah i really really like these um they're very crunchy and the thing that i liked about them i one i was really surprised i was like wow these really ch- taste like cheese puffs but then you look at the ingredients they're vegan there's no cheese in them no um i think because they're so crunchy and they're the shape of a cheese puff your brain is just like oh cheese puff and that's that's all your brain really needs uh but i really liked them because they were so filling oh. like i would have half a bag and then my brain would be like all right we're ready to crank out the rest of this chapter oh and these were small um, bags they sent us like like little little like individual bags Yes, um, but I will say, of course, you got to eat them with chopsticks because there is some finger dust, not as much finger dust as a regular cheese puff. I would say 70% less cheese dust on your fingers Wow, uh, than a regular cheese puff. Um, so I had to eat them with chopsticks, but that would be um, last week while I was wor- working, like, you know, I, I would stop. If I got hungry, I would stop writing, go have half a bag of, of these chickpea puffs and then. Uh, crunch the bag up and put it back in the cabinet and then like finish. So I, these, as a writing snack, these get five out of five for me for sure. Wow. What about as a reading snack? Uh, four out of, so five out of five pages for writing, four out of five pages as a reading snack because you do, because of the finger dust thing. Because mm. when I'm like eating them as a writing snack, I'm getting up from my desk, eating them, like washing my hands and then going, go, going back to writing. When you're reading, um, Unless you're eating them with chopsticks, which we've already discussed is is actually slightly difficult while you're reading. Um, it's it's a little bit tough. So this is the, the, the finger dust factors, but still absolutely delicious. So four out of five pages. What do you think? Yeah, I'm a big fan of these. I feel like they sell these at like, you know, Starbucks or some place that like when I'm traveling, I see them and I'm like... <gasps> vegan snack somewhere outside <laughs> like in the wilderness and so i i, I really like you these sneak so I, up I, on it i definitely will say i think i put these on our um uh on our wish list 
Um, I have not tried them while I was writing, but I will now because uh, I think I still have one more bag left. Um, but I do like them while reading. And you're right. They're not like um, it's not like you're eating like a like a 1997 Dorito, you know, like where the twin Doritos. <laughs> I feel like had, I don't know if Doritos are the same. Was that with the peak year of Doritos? I, I actually haven't had Doritos in like 20 years, but I think I guess that they were like it's not like you're eating. OK. All right. Here's the here's the scale. Please. Please, Doritos historians, please get at us and tell us about No, wait. Obviously, the peak scale is 1999 Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Because they actually do have less dust now. They, like, because they were getting all over everything and, like, schools were getting angry and, like, quit selling them. So, like, can I, can, can, if somebody's listening to this who is, like, a Dorito dust scientist, please email us because I would love to know how this If y'all gone down on your dust because I feel like you have. At least in the Cheeto world, I think that, I really do think that Cheetos made a concerted effort to go, like, no one's going to buy these Flamin' Hots anymore because they get orange crap all over everything, even though they were really good Cheetos. Um, <laughs> so I think on the scale of dust, it's like flaming hot as Cheetos are the worst. 97 Doritos are, <laughs> you know, still up there. And then these are like way at the other end. These are, I, yeah, I do agree. These are like at the, like closer to the zero, not the zero on the dust scale, but like the three or something. Yeah, they don't, you, your fingers aren't coated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like after I, if I eat flaming Hot Cheetos with no chopsticks, like my fingers are pink and like red oh, yeah. for, for the rest of the afternoon, yeah, even they, after I wash them. These won't do that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. I also enjoy these because sometimes if I eating, I'm eating something too tiny while reading, like let's say I'm eating a bag, <laughs> just a bag of seeds. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Bria's over there eating her tiny She's like, food just like the bird I want to be. Uh, no, there's like, sometimes I eat sunflower seeds like that have already been cracked open and they're like flavored. They have like, I got these ones that are like maple flavored sunflower seeds, something stupid like that, that I was like, this would be great and it's not great. Uh, and maybe they were fine. I don't remember. But when I'm trying to eat, sorry, I've lost Mallory. <laughs> What's Brie doing? She's eating the f- too tiny food again. <laughs> like, I'm just imagining you with like a magnifying glass, like trying to look for your snack. Well, it is a problem though because if you try to get it, like you can't grab in a handful. You have to grab in like it's the, it's a horrible to try. To, you have to look at it. Is what I'm saying, or you have to dump it into your mouth, like or use the cup. The cup, you know, idea that people sent us. You have to do use a cup. So. <laughs> Okay. On the okay, scale I'm of food <laughs> sizes, these uh, the chickpeas, chickpea puffs, these hippies are great because they're big. You can just reach in and grab one. You don't have to like. But you search. don't want to. Is there like an ideal sna- size for a reading or writing set? You don't want anything too tiny, but you don't want anything too huge. Yeah, you don't want like a pop tart, which you like won't fit into your mouth. Like you want something that's perfectly can fit right into your mouth. Although I think people who use the cup method might disagree with me, but I think it's good. Anyway, I also would give these four out of five pages for reading snacks. Five out of five on a regular day. (laughs) So if you have suggestions for snacks or book tech for us to test out, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at (laughs) gmail.com. (laughs) 
now let's answer a recommendation request. Morgan writes in, hey, Mallory, Bria, and Sean, I'm taking a mini vacation with my mom to her cabin in the woodsy upper peninsula of Michigan. It's pretty sparsely populated up there, and I'm looking forward to some lazy days in the woods, bonfires, and of course, reading on the beach of Lake Huron. Do y'all have some good recommendations for books that take place in the woods of the rural Midwest, which are not overly dark? I want to experience the vacation-themed reading you both have mentioned, but I feel like anything I found will make me want to crawl into my mom's bed in the middle of the night. By the way, my wheelhouse is lighthearted fantasy, boarding school magic, casual feminist characters, memoirs about women learning to understand their feelings, and kick-ass plus-size representation. Bria, what should Morgan read? Well, I'd like to start with an apology to trees because (laughs) I apparently only read trees that are spooky, about trees that are spooky. I've really limited my tree intake to spooky, spooky trees. So it was very hard for me to think of a woods-related book um, that was not spooky. So um, I, I started looking at places that were in, like, the Midwest. Uh, so, like, Everything I Never Told You is set in the Midwest, which could be a fun one. Um, also, a favorite author of ours, Samantha Irby, who lives in a small town in Michigan, um, talks about living in a small town in Michigan. That could be, like, a very fun um, uh, uh, Michigan book that is a memoir about a woman learning to understand her feelings. Um, so that could definitely fall into this category. Um but the fantasy book that I wanted to recommend was um, has a big wooded element is uh, Wildwood by Colin Malloy. Um, oh, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a big book. It's big, so it can keep you busy for a while. It's about two seventh graders who venture into a magical forest after they see a baby being kidnapped by crows. It's not that scary. It is way more fantasy. It has a little bit of scary things, but it, it won't make you crawl into your your mom's bed at night. It is middle grade for sure. Yeah, and it's not, not a scary horror book. No, 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 not at all. Um, it is set in Portland, though. It's not. It's not anywhere near Lake Huron. Um, but I think that magical woods can be anywhere. <laughs> so trees could be magical. Woods or woods. Apologies to trees. Uh, what What is your recommendation uh, uh, for Morgan? Uh, so my suggestion is going to sound weird, and it has nothing to do with literally anything in her wheelhouse. What? But <laughs> it, it is when I when I found out about what she wanted. This is the first book that came to mind, and like I couldn't find a book. I, I looked or like I just looked through my library. I just couldn't find a book that uh, I think. It matches this as well because um, it, it's so fucking good. I was so surprised by this uh, when I, I listened to this audiobook uh, when it came out a few years ago. Um, it's called The Stranger in the Woods by Michael Finkel and it's a nonfiction book and this is a real story mm. at, uh, all about, uh, from Maine. Uh, it's about this man who one day when he was in his early 20s uh, just decided to, to go live in the woods by himself. Uh, so he lived in the woods by himself with no electricity and no house for over 30 years. Oh my God. Yes. It is such a fascinating story. Um, because like the first part of the book is them trying to like, because the authorities want, wanted to find him yeah. uh, because he was keeping part of the way he kept himself alive was like he would break into the cabin summer cabins of people and like take their jars of peanut butter and like yes, that's how he made a fictional live. kind of book a uh, movie about this they made a yes. movie that like yeah called Buster's, Buster's Malheur. Malheur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes um which is a great movie but uh very very different from the book the book is actually like it, it's such an interesting nonfiction 
book because it's a great like you're so you want to like know all about this man and how he lived in the woods but it's also all these interesting meditations on like solitude and how there's certain people who just like are like this man had no human contact for over 30 years and he was happy as fuck Mm -hmm. like it's just such an interesting uh, a lot of science and, and history about um about being without human contact or people who are very happy being alone and like the uh the sort of joy that we get from being away from civilization and the the sort of comfort that a lot of people find in the woods and like you know how truly like people end up on the whole sleep a lot better when they're like away from a big city and in the woods so it's just like a perfect I think it would be a perfect read while you were out in the woods to sort of like just appreciate um you know that 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 solitude and that peace and like sort of some sort of like scientific backing to why you're feeling those things while you're on vacation. And and again, it's also just so interesting because you're like, you want to know everything about this guy who just like literally ate jars of peanut butter and sat by himself in the woods for 30 years. And like his intricate way that he kept himself alive and made sure he didn't freeze. And like, it's just, it's so, so interesting. So that's The Stranger in the Woods by Michael Finkel. And Wildwood by Colin Malloy. So if if you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy and Jessica who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to buy reading glasses, tote bags and stickers and, and, and shirts and cool stuff, you can go to the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. We still... Uh, recommendations are coming in from folks who have ideas for us to celebrate our 1000th review please keep sending them because we haven't we haven't actually done anything <laughs> yet uh, we're, we're still figuring it out um you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for reading, reading.